My name is Sarah Inglis, and I'm a certified integrative health coach. I help people thrive in their bodies and reclaim the help they've always wanted. Each week, I interview people who have a passion for health. You'll hear from health experts, farmers, herbalists, doctors, chefs, and many more. My hope is that they'll inspire us all to tune into our gut and notice how lifestyle and food impact us. I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Ariana Brandolini. She is a clinical psychologist based in New York City. Ariana specializes in treating anxiety, depression, and trauma-related disorders using cognitive behavioral therapy and other research-supported techniques. She examines the relationship between one's thoughts and feelings and how these can create unhelpful patterns of behavior. She then teaches people how to operate from their values. You can follow her podcast, Ariana Answers, where she answers listeners' questions about relationships, family, and career. She also has an excellent course called Thought Power, which teaches people how to change their thought life in order to change their lives. You can connect with Ariana on her Instagram account, Dr. Ariana Answers. Now, let's tune in for today's episode. Oh, hi, Ariana. I am so excited to see you today. It's been quite a while. I know. You too, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm really excited because I have so many clients who are interested in psychology just in general. I'm curious how it is that you became a psychologist and what made you interested in it? My mother tells the story of me when I was about four or five years old and she walked into the kitchen and she found me talking to my babysitter and giving her advice about her love life. So you could say that I was destined for it. I was really interested in how people worked and how to make I think one of the driving forces for me was always kind of helping people gave me a lot of purpose and a lot of value. I grew up in London. I grew up in Switzerland. I grew up in London, actually. And psychology wasn't something that was talked about a lot. I thought I wanted to do medicine and be a doctor because I also loved biology. I loved learning how the body worked. And then I came to the States to college and I, I went to Harvard and I got there and realized all the work that you had to do to do pre-med. And so um, I took a psychology one class and I loved it. Absolutely loved it, loved it. And so I was just taking lots of psychology classes, even for my electives, because that was just what I was fascinated by. And so it was really lucky that I found my interest. But when I graduated college, I also loved art. I loved creativity. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll do like something like advertising or whatever. And I just tried some internships, hated them all. One of my academic advisors was like, why do you go to graduate school for this? And I was like, maybe you're right. Maybe I should. And it, was, it wasn't actually a very well thought out plan. I was like, sure, this sounds okay. It sounds like it could be good. And so I worked in McLean Hospital for about a year and a half. Uh, I did some research under Richard McNally, who's a big trauma guy over at Harvard. And then I went to graduate school and here I am today. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. But it sounds like you went with your gut. I passion. Did. Right? You trusted your instincts. absolutely did. That's where I make all my best decisions from, my gut 
And anyway, something we can talk about maybe another time, but you know, also something I talk about a lot with patients, how do you actually connect to that intuition place as opposed to like the buzzy anxiety of the mind? I did. I went with my gut, took a risk, and it turned out turned out great. So that's wonderful. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious because you said you wanted to learn how the body works. And I find that um most people who I work with are surprised when they learn that 90 to 95% of the serotonin is made in, by the bacteria in their gut. So how how aware do you how aware do you think people are in general about the gut brain connection? It's great that we are getting more knowledgeable about it. So a lot of my younger patients are are have a little bit more of an understanding if they haven't, if they don't know much about it, they've heard about it. Uh, many of my 30s upwards, a lot of people don't know. You know, I think it's something that's been only in the past several few years, really, that, you know, the stuff is really coming to light. And so it's good news that people are becoming more aware, but you kind of have to go looking for this stuff, you know? So a lot of my patients who actually know about it is because they've actually done the legwork and they've researched it or because they're dealing with issues of their own and they're finding that just going straight up to like a gastroenterologist isn't really helping. You actually need someone who understands the body more holistically. So again, it's it's not as many as you would necessarily think, but we're getting there, which is, which is positive. Yeah, that, that's good news. Yeah. Would it be appropriate to say you're a cognitive behavioral Yes, I do. I do positive methodologies. Right. Yes. So when you're trying to coach a a patient with changing habits, like I coach people with changing their dietary habits in particular. And one of the things that I love to talk about is, well, find something that brings you joy or that feels, I mean, obviously in their digestive system feels good, but I'm so what's, how do you help your patients instill new habits? Ah, that's a great question. I think exactly what you mentioned is great. That aspect of positivity, what actually brings you joy and what actually helps you feel well. And, you know, because as I'm sure you've experienced here, you know, having people change habits, is, it's really hard. You know, there's a reason why People are stuck in the patterns that they're stuck in. You know, a lot of what I talk about is self-awareness and actually developing self-awareness is the first step. You absolutely must have that in order to be able to change habits. And so it's often slowing people down and actually teaching them to be mindful. I talk a lot about mindfulness because, you know, and I'm sure even with with you actually paying attention to what's happening in your body, paying attention to what's happening in your mind. You know, the world isn't built for mindfulness, you know, especially, you know, I'm in New York City. And so everything is so mindless and chaotic and stressful. And so we're constantly like, you know, on the phone with someone while texting someone else, while thinking, checking Instagram and, you know, and we're getting, you know, hit by our cabs. So it's sort of trying to teach people to actually take a minute be mindful and check in with yourself to say, okay, what is actually happening right now? I want to eat the cookie or I want to react in this way in this situation. What is actually happening in my body and in my brain, right? What is, what does my body feel like? Am I tired? 
Am I angry? Am I hungry? Am I stressed? You know, it's helping people sort of self-evaluate is so helpful and important because then you actually know how to respond to the situation in a healthy way that's in line with your values as opposed to reacting out of an unhealthy place, right? Out of anxiety, out of fear, out of self-soothing, right? A lot of my patients, you know, especially people struggle with food. It's, it's you know, it, so many people do. And so they often go to that food place because of urges, because of the way that they're feeling, and they're just not paying attention to the fact that suddenly, you know, they're they're in bed for a day because they're like, I feel so awful because they've been going, 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 going and haven't actually checked in with their body or their brain to be like, how am I feeling right now? That's sort of the place that I start. And then a lot of it is, you know, figuring out, okay, I, in order to do something different, in order to like feel something different do something different, I can't kind of keep doing the same things even in terms of like my environment. So changing routines up, having things like reward systems, doing things really slowly. People want to do everything all at once and it's just unrealistic. And then they get, you know, and you inevitably fail and everyone feels, you know, devastated by it or they feel hopeless. And so they even stop trying. So it's about starting really small, and you just do that for a little while, and then we add something else, and then you just do that for a little while, you know, and then that actually helps people feel successful, you know, slow and easy is what actually wins the race, you know? Oh, that is, that is yeah. so true on yeah. so many different levels, yeah. like, you can't digest unless you've slowed down. I mean, Absolutely. your body isn't ready to take advantage of all the nutrients in the food. And that makes me think of, of sleep. That is when you say, oh, our world's not built for mindfulness. I love that. That's so true. Never yeah. more sleep for that yeah. matter, it seems. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Do you feel overwhelmed with the thought of transforming your health? If the idea of creating a balanced diet, managing stress, and forming new sleep patterns stresses you out, don't worry. I am here to help. As an experienced integrative health coach, I can help you develop signature health strategies that work for your lifestyles and goals. After working with me, my clients have lost weight, improved their sleep, and reversed lifestyle diseases. I'm offering three free strategy sessions before the end of the month. Click the link in the description of this podcast to book yours today. Is it lifestyle changes that you look at for sleep? People come to me and they want like a really sexy, easy fix to like solve their problems. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm really sorry to tell you a lot of this is very unsexy and it's stuff you've probably heard before. You know, things like diet, things like sleep, exactly as you say, you know, sleep greatly impacts your mental health and also your physical health. So sleep is like a fundamental pillar that I talk about with every single patient, especially when I first see them. I ask them, how is your sleep? We call it sleep hygiene in psychology. I don't know why we call it that. It kind of feels a bit weird, but anyway. And so it's basically about that you actually have to be intentional about your sleep habits as you do being healthy in life in general. It, for some reason, the unhealthy thing is always the easiest default that we go to, right? Whereas actually wanting to be healthy 
requires intentionality. So when it comes to something like sleep, and as you, you know, as we've been talking about, especially in the culture that we live in and with the advent of cell phones and, and smartphones and screens, I mean, we're constantly stimulated all day long. So sometimes to actually get good rest, you have to be very intentional to put down all of that stuff. And so we talk about the sleep hygiene piece, which is, you know, research shows that when you look at screens, whether it's a computer screen, whether it's a phone screen, whether it's a TV, that it emits blue light and that actually wakes your brain up. And so people are often in bed scrolling through Instagram and then they're like, why can't I sleep? Or through TikTok, or they just watched a horror movie and they're like, why did it take me two hours to get to bed? And so actually shutting down, turning off all of your electronics about an hour before bed is really, really important. And turning down the lights, reading if you must read, listening to soft music, doing stuff to really unwind and de-escalate, number one, is really important. Number two, the bedroom is supposed to be for sleep and for sex only. Because your brain makes a connection between different things, right? So if you sleep, if you eat in your bed and you work in your bed and you watch TV in your bed, when you get into bed, your brain's like, oh, this is where I eat and watch TV and it's time to kind of do fun activities. We want your brain to associate your bedroom and your bed with, oh, this is where I actually go to sleep. And so your brain will automatically start to shut itself down and make that connection. Having sleep time routines is really helpful because, again, that's what you're, it's signaling to your body and your brain, oh, it's time to go to bed soon because I'm doing my routine. And so all of that really helps. People love to fall asleep with the TV on or with like things going on. And it's not necessarily helpful for you to actually get a good night's sleep, darkness and silence. Getting to bed and waking up at the same time is really important when you wake up. Getting direct sunlight, not through a window, but actually direct sunlight is really, really important. Research shows this. But isn't it the cortisol? I think you get your shot, your spike of cortisol from direct light. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. To wake up, to literally wake up. Yeah. And it also starts the melatonin. That's what I was going for. The melatonin response for 12 hours later, your body starts to reset it. So it actually helps with going to sleep again. All of those things are things where I encourage people to work on that. And if they can't do it all at once, I'm like, just start with one thing to actually start to really prioritize your sleep because it's going to be helpful for everything. There's a book that I frequently recommend to some of my clients called 52 Ways to Walk. And one of her ways to walk is upon waking up to go outside within an hour, just because of what you exactly just said of getting that direct light, even if the sun's not shining. Yeah, and I did find that not being a not being a scientist, but I found that almost counterintuitive. Oh, it's the cortisol that gets the melatonin cycle going. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, all these yeah. things are actually helpful and good, you know, in their appropriate place and in their appropriate time. Right, the cortisol is actually adaptive for many different reasons, but it's when it starts to happen and spike when it's not supposed to or over, you know, or overdo it, that it's actually unhealthy for our bodies. And this is actually, you know, for things like you mentioned, that walking, the sleep, as I tell people, it's not going to be a magic spell, a magic pill, a magic incantation. 
that will heal and solve everything, which I wish there was, but unfortunately there isn't. So it's actually about creating lots of little changes that added together create great change. And so in the isolated incident, you're like, oh, whatever, this doesn't mean anything. But in the aggregate, if you start to do it and do it consistently, you do it with other things, it's actually going to create great change, which is... That is how you create health. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm also curious if any of your and if any of your patients ever comp- have complained about gut health, you know, yeah. related issues and connected to their whatever their psychological state might be or challenges. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I specialize in treating anxiety disorders, and so a huge number of my patients actually do also deal with things like IBS or Crohn's disease or. Um, And oftentimes people who have been dealing with anxiety for a long time, you know, kind of catches up with them and they start to see it a lot more. We were talking a little bit about awareness and, you know, I think, I think a lot of my patients don't even have issues with their gut and they're not even aware of it yet, you know, and and that was my story too. Like I wasn't aware for such a long time until I started having real issues. You know, the brain and the mind body connection is so, it's so present. It's so important. And again, this is, you know, coming out much more in recent years, which is fantastic, but your gut is there. They call it your second brain, right? Because it has so many neurotransmitters, all these different things in there that actually have direct signals to your brain. It's like a two-way highway, you know, it's like through your vagus nerve, but then it's also like, it's so powerful that even if you don't, if your vagus nerve gets severed, it still manages to communicate. You know, studies even show, I mean, this is a little gross, but with fecal transplants, which is basically you transplant poop from one person into another person's gut, you know, research shows that if you actually transplant poop from an anxious person into a non-anxious person, that person will start to feel anxiety for several months. Eventually, it wears off. But then it's the same. The opposite is true. Someone who doesn't struggle with anxiety, if they transplant their poop into someone who does struggle with anxiety, they actually report a huge alleviation of anxiety for a few months, You know, which actually shows that there's stuff going on in there that really, really impacts the brain. And that's actually good news because it means that if you work on one, it actually helps impact the other. And so, you know, moral of the story, we're holistic, right? We are, we have many different parts of ourselves. We're not just a brain or just a body. And we're only now just understanding how they're all interconnected. And so people who struggle with anxiety or even with depression, the vast majority will also have gut issues. Some will be more aware and have diagnoses more than others. But even those who aren't necessarily aware of it yet, you know, again, research shows that in the long run, it, if you don't kind of deal with that stuff, it will probably have an impact. Yeah, because now, I mean, the research is so amazing what they're finding. Yeah, that the the microbiome can get out of balance quite easily. But the good news is that most of us, most of us can reset it mm-hmm. within a short period of time, even. Yeah. A seriously chronic condition. I mean, two to five dates, that's pretty amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, our bodies are amazing. You know, that's why we're built to heal and to regenerate. And so if we give it a chance, you know, we can trust it to do that, which is awesome. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, how, 
yeah, the the approach is very similar in what you're doing and and what I'm trying to do with the body in particular, but the easy, slow steps. Oh, and people don't like that. We're in an instant world where they want it now immediately. You know, and so people give up. And I'm like, listen, it actually, it takes a while, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's a, it, it does demand, do you find it demands, a, when you talk about their belief system, yeah, b- figuring out what their belief system is, because culture seems to dictate what your belief system, I mean, the the social media, maybe I should say, or in particular in the news media, dictate what your belief system should be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the reason we behave a certain way, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It actually comes from feelings that we're feeling that actually come from thoughts that we're thinking. Most of our behavior is actually generated two steps back through our thought life. And all of us have filters through which we see the world, which are are our core beliefs. It's our belief system. And our belief system of this is what the world is like. This is generally how I operate in the world. This is generally what people are like. All of that is built through things like parenting, things like things through experiences at school, our biology. You know, we each have different personalities. Our genetics are certain things passed down in families like depression, like anxiety. So, we all develop these filters and these belief systems that, and, and that's how we operate in the world. And so actually figuring out, you know, even things like agency, things like working hard at something to then achieve something, it's all, a lot of this has to do with our belief system. So that's a lot of what I do. It's, you know, when people behave a certain way, we talked about kind of mindfulness and slowing down, I'll say, wait, 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 what were you thinking then? What was the automatic thought? We call it negative automatic thoughts. What was the negative automatic thought that went through your mind that then created a feeling that then generated that behavior? When people are trying to change their diet and they fall off the wagon and then they end up binging on a whole bunch of cookies. And it's because they have this automatic thought of, I'm a failure. Oh, there's no point to any of this because I had a cookie. Everything's doomed. And so I'm just going to like eat the whole lot because what, you know. And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's evaluate this thought. Is that thought truth? And is that thought actually helpful to you? What is actually a more realistic thought? What is actually a more helpful thought to slow yourself down to be like, okay, I did this one thing. Progress isn't linear. I'm not required to be perfect. It's not going to ruin everything. I don't have to beat myself up over this because it's just going to make me feel worse. So I'm just going to say, hey, you got this. You can just, you know, course correct and do better next time. You know, whatever it is to actually talk back to yourself and generate. And the more you do that, you know, our brain is really plastic, which is amazing, which means the more we think something, the stronger that that pathway of thought gets. People find that if they're thinking, you know, they're like, why do I always do this? I'm like, you're telling yourself a thousand times a day. It's driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy. Of course, you're going to feel like you're nuts, you know? So it's about actually how do you start to speak other things, go down different thought pathways, strengthen those for those to start to become more of your narrative. And again, like anything, it takes time, but when you do it, you actually see the structure of your brain change. And when you have healthier belief systems, you're more likely to operate out of those places. And so though that mind piece 
you know, I think even for what you do, Sarah, and I'm sure you talk about this with your patients, right? Beliefs about food, beliefs about your body, you know, when you actually are able to bring those into a healthier place, into healthy alignment, you actually start to behave out of that place. Lots of times it's almost, it's your subconscious, many of us, oh, right? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, you're not even, a, as you say, you know, you have to stop and notice first before you can even change, absolutely. right? And noticing that, oh, wow, you know, it's automatic. And is that really who I am or what I believe in? Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I work with some of my longer term clients is having creating a vision of what health, what well-being in the very broad sense of the word. I mean, their diet and their body, but what what that vision is for them, because then and then sort of going to replace whatever those negative thoughts are that you've been talking about. Is that an approach that fits into cognitive? Yeah, absolutely. I talk a lot about, you know, I think it's really important to have goals, to actually know what you want to work towards. You know, I mean, there's different ways of doing what I do. There are different types of psychology, different modes, you know, so there, you know, I'm Freud, who was kind of like one of, you know, the forefathers of modern psychology movement, people will often see in movies, people lying on couches talking about their mom and dream interpretation and stuff like that. That's not really what I do. That's a little bit more free flowing, you know, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy and other therapies kind of within that ilk, there's plenty of them, are a little bit more modern because they're much more, they're more research based and they're much more goal oriented. They were kind of like, we want to know if doing certain things will actually generate certain outcomes because there were certain people who, you know, you have to find what really works for you. And so there's, I'm, my personality is more, okay, we, we, we have the problem. What are we going to do about this now? Right. How are you actually going to generate change to then go live the healthy life you want to live? And so having that vision and having those goals, I think is really healthy and helpful to actually generate a roadmap. So people kind of know where they're going. You know, a lot of people don't know how to do this, which is why people like you and me exist. This is why we have our jobs. It's because you're not, you know, it's not, you're not supposed to know intuitively necessarily, but it's important to have people who can come alongside of you who know a lot about the stuff and they can actually walk with you to be able to actually achieve the goals that you're looking for. And having that positive vision and seeing, being able to see change and progress towards that is so helpful for motivation. You know, that's why I think evaluation is really important and kind of celebrating goal, celebrating successes, even if they're small. You know, I think it's, it's a huge, you know, I think it's a huge part of being able to be healthy is to be able to achieve goals that you're working towards and feel that satisfaction to then say, oh, I actually have the capacity to change this and I actually have control and agency over my health and that motivates you to want to do it more. I love that you do that. I think that's fantastic. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. And especially, right, to, to celebrate those small, those small steps that are so important and really can be truly powerful is if you're able to slow down and uh, appreciate it.
Yeah. I'm still working on that. Much. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's, it's just not the way that we. I know. It wasn't the way that I was brought up. I know. But, oh, I know. Right? Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I did that again. But, it, and it's actually, <laughs> and it's actually research shows this. Like, it's not, you know, and I, I like to tell people, I'm like, I'm not just telling you this because I'm like, oh, it's a cute thing to do. I'm actually telling you because research shows that celebrating wins and celebrating things is actually helps people achieve more. And it's no matter how small, I also talk a lot about self-compassion and becoming your own best friend, right? We often talk to ourselves in ways that we would never talk to anybody. It's, you know, the things people say to themselves and like, I mean, would you ever say that to someone else? And they're like, of course not. I'm like, so why are you saying it to yourself? Because not only are you already feeling crappy, you're then beating yourself up and just feeling doubly crappy. And how do you expect yourself to change by doing that? You know, so actually practicing self-compassion and being your own best friend and cheerleader, it doesn't mean that you're like, you're amazing and you don't need to change a thing. It's about being like, hey, you've got this. This is hard, but you can do it. What would you actually say to a child? What would you say to your best friend? With, with little kids, right? We celebrate things that they achieve because it's, again, it is encouragement. They want to keep going. And so that's an important process to do for the rest of our lives. And even if it's something we have to work on for the rest of our lives, it's fine. We just keep trying to do it. It's progress. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and we only learn from our mistakes. Yeah. You know, you yeah. don't learn, you don't grow by doing things perfectly. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I always say progress is not linear. Everyone wants it to look like this, but it looks more like this. It goes up and down. And so when people are like, oh, I've regressed, I'm like, no, regression is not a thing. You might be in like a bit of a low patch, but you're still trending in the upward direction. And so that's how we want to think about it, that it's going to be up and down. It's going to be bumpy, but you're on on your way. Is it possible to for you to generalize about what you view as one of the biggest challenges with creating health and well-being in the where we are as a society right now? I think a lot of it is what we've been talking about, which is mindset. You know, I think that that is, that is absolutely fundamental to progress and change. It's what do you believe about it? It's if you don't believe that you can change, if you don't believe that you can achieve and move towards these goals, you're not going to do anything about it. And so people are stuck in patterns and they're stuck in patterns of unhealth, whether it's to do with their nutrition, whether it's to do with their health, you know, their exercise, whether it's to do with their mental health, whether it's to do with their jobs, their relationships. If you don't have a belief system that actually is generated or is focused on kind of health and well-being and believing that that is actually attainable, you're always going to feel hopeless. And don't get me wrong, people deal with very real disorders. They have very real chronic illnesses, you know, so I'm not saying that it's like positive mindset and everything turns out okay. It's not about that like manifesting I know that's very popular. Frankly, I don't believe in it. But I think that there is truth to, you know, the people who actually win just never give up. They just keep getting up and they keep going. They keep going. You know, if you look at people like the guy who invented the Dyson vacuum, he had something like 1,500 patents of, and he worked for years, you know, working on all these things. And then, you know, he just never gave up. And he finally came up with something that, you know, now he's, look at him, he's super successful. Oprah Winfrey, 
I mean, she was like fired from reverse job, all these like incredible people. We see people in, in the success now and we're like, oh, I tried and it just didn't happen. And this, you know, and a lot of people, them talk about, they're like, you have no idea the years that I spent, you know, working on this stuff. And it was very much, they kept going. They were like, you know, I'm going to keep doing this. And so I think if we're able to build that resilient mindset, we're able to build that able mindset, again, not rainbows and sunshine, like it's going to be great, but actually kind of more realistic of like, okay, that really hurt. Take a breath. All right, collect yourself. All right, let's get back up. Let's try again. Whether it's with your health and all of that stuff, I think that, that that's huge. I think if we could actually change that, we could change so much, you know? Yeah. I, I, and I, that's so true. And that circles back to the idea of having goals and this belief system of what you visualize, what, what you would like for yourself, whether it's in three years or five years, because it is steady and slow and really picturing that. Yeah. I mean, as a motivator. Absolutely. Um, It's really important to do that. And it's not easy. And so that's why it's, it takes, it takes intentionality. It takes practice. I'm like, you have to practice this stuff, whether it's 10 minutes in the morning, whether, whatever it is in your routine, it doesn't just naturally happen. Just like going to the gym to build muscle mass, you got to build mental muscle mass and build those, those, that resilience in that mindset by actually practicing it. And so it doesn't just happen naturally. You got to work at it. So do you work on helping your patients create new routines that would work with their, you know, lifestyle circumstances? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, a lot of this is a little bit of problems, you know, so we, I, because the mind, you know, because our thoughts are connected to our feelings that are connected to our behaviors, I talk a lot about the thought piece. I think the belief system, the thought piece, the perspectives, all of that is really important. One of the pillars to work on. I think there's also the behavioral piece is actually really key too, because sometimes it works in the opposite direction. Sometimes we don't feel like doing something, but we do it and we actually feel much better about ourselves and we have more positive thoughts about it. So I like to call it Sasha Fiercing because Sasha Fierce you know, Beyonce, I think it was in an Oprah interview where she was actually asked by Oprah how, because she's actually quite like shy and reserved. She's not like a, a huge gregarious person. If you meet her, you know, on the street, as you would not. And, but when she's on stage, she's this incredible performer. And so she says, when I'm on stage, I'm not Beyonce, I'm Sasha Fierce. So she puts on a persona and behaves like the person she wants to be in the world. And through that, it actually is a positive feedback loop. And so sometimes when creating new habits, I tell people, like, listen, you just got it. This is a leap of faith. I was like, all you have to do, you just got to give me two weeks. You never have to do this again in your life if you hate it after two weeks. But just commit two weeks. You're going to do this one thing kicking and screaming, and then let's evaluate. How do you actually feel, right? And so sometimes it's about the behavior piece and also helping ourselves with that behavior, right? If you know that, you know, this happens to a lot of, you know, my patients, they're up late at night, it hits like 1 a.m. and they start to get hungry. And then they start to eat something, start to binge. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's actually changing the sleeping habits that we've been talking about. Maybe it's actually getting to bed earlier, which is going to be better for you. And maybe, you know, if you're up till 4 a.m., okay, 
let's have a goal of 3 a.m. So the next week, just do 3 a.m. And then it's about seeing how all these things are interrelated. And then how do you actually start? And again, the good news is because it's all interrelated, if you actually tweak one thing, it kind of cascades in other stuff. And sounds overwhelming for people, but that's why, again, as I said, there's people like you and me where it's get help. You know, you don't have to do this right. alone. A lot of people are like, oh, I want to, I, I tried to do it. And, you know, because I couldn't do it without help, like it's hopeless. And I'm like, are you kidding? I'll take all the help I can get. And so actually having someone who's able to help you strategize to actually maybe change some other parts of your lifestyle and behavior that directly impact the behavior that you want to change. Like, for example, you know, getting to bed early or whatever else. And so it's rarely just one thing. You can't just suddenly change it out of willpower. You actually have to look at how other things influence it to then be able to, okay, let's actually intervene five steps back and how do we actually help you stop doing this thing or maybe do this thing in a different way to still get the positive thing, but then it actually kind of impacts the rest of that threat. And I love I love when you said, well, if you're going to bed at 4 a.m., oh, let's just try going to bed at 3 a.m. It's I, I think a lot of us are, whoa, I just have to start going to bed at 9 a.m. or whatever. Yeah. It's just moving the dial yeah, it's just not a realistic. little bit. It's, it's not realistic. Yeah, it is not realistic. And slightly and see what happens there. Exactly. Exactly. And so again, it's that mindset, right? Where it's, I want the immediate change now. And it's no, listen, if you even do it half an hour, so then it's 3.30, then you do it at three, then you go to 2.30, then you, know, then you calculate and be like, okay, in three months, you're actually going to be where you want to be. Isn't it worth it? Like have, have the past three months gone well doing it the way that you have? Most people are like, no. Okay. So why don't we just try something different and let's see. And often I'll say, you're not allowed to really evaluate until this date, until three months from now, because things change day to day and then people get discouraged. And so I'm like, I don't really care. I want to, three months from now, let's evaluate and actually, because then you can see the aggregate, right? That is so true. I'm wondering if you could go back 20 years, I mean, boy, you'd be very young. And give yourself not a dumb and do things, Sarah. I God help. bless you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know what ideas you might have back then, too. Yeah, no, give true. yourself health advice. That's a broad, but give yourself any type of health advice. What would it be? Mm, that's such a good question. If we're talking about physical health advice, you know, as you mentioned, I had no idea about this stuff until it was about five, five, six years ago that I actually started to have really bad gut and health problems where I suddenly became aware of this whole world. And I just never knew about it before. And so I never paid attention to what I ate or how I ate or even the mind-body connection. You know, I'm a psychologist, but I'm actually not very good at feeling my feelings. I'm actually terrible at feeling my feelings. And so the way that it comes out with me is through my body. I'll get, I have like inflammation responses. I have psoriasis. I have all these different things that tell me that there's something that's going on, there's stress that's going on, and then it helps me kind of evaluate. But I think, you know, if someone had told me 20 years ago, hey, Pay more attention, actually, and be more intentional with where you, you know, what you put into your body, you know, because I, it's only, it's only now in my thirties that I've seen the, the repercussions of a lot of this. And it's been like a slow burn, if I can say that. And so slowly things have built up until it kind of like the tipping point. And so I think I wish I was more conscious about 
the food that I ate and was more conscious of nutrition in general, because I think that that actually could have been preventative for some stuff that I dealt with later on in life. Of course, when you're that young age and also in school oh, or in college, yeah. you also feel invincible. You're like, whatever, you know, and it's like, exactly. well, you will age one day and your body's not going <laughs> to thank you for it. Um, and so, and, you know, even mm-hmm. keeping the mind healthy and really realizing how related it is to the body and just kind of having that holistic sense evaluation to be like, you know, actually, how am I doing? And is there something I need to adjust? Am I doing okay? Am I not doing okay? Okay. So now what do I have to do to help myself rather than again, that invincible going, 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 going. And then you're like, and then you feel it later. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Yes, to you too, Sarah. Thank you again for having me. It's been real fun. I love the work that you're doing. It's great. And you too. You know, it's. I think again, we we work together. I often refer. I refer people to a nutritionist. You know, because again, the person is a holistic person. You can't just treat one thing. You know, I think. So, you know, we work together, and and I think that's awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Of course. Good to see you. Good to see you. For over 25 years, I was a teacher, and one of my greatest joys in life is seeing people light up when they have an aha moment. It is pure magic. I've now combined teaching with my knowledge of health into live workshops. I teach throughout the country about gut health and how to transform your health. If you'd like to know when I'll be in your city, subscribe to my newsletter in the description of this podcast.